you've taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a journey from the Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin and Anna. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a podcast where we take an in-depth look at Star Wars one arc at a time. I'm Calvin. I've seen a lot of Star Wars. I'm Anna, and I've seen a little bit of Star Wars. I'm Wyatt, and I've seen more Star Wars than was scheduled originally. Yeah, we are condensing our... (laughs) (laughs) We added a few episodes because, you know, like, why the hell episodes to this episode this week? Why the hell not? Oh, I promised I wouldn't cuss, and here I am, cussing again. Ten seconds in. Fifty-two the record Uh, yeah so yeah today we are discussing bounty hunters the zillow beast the zillow beats strike the zillow beast strikes back senate spy landing at point rain weapons factory legacy of terror and brain invaders a decent amount of episodes that cover a lot i yeah yeah you have a lot to say about this i have a lot to say about these episodes so yeah so so these were what was this like it was like 217 through like 20 or like 219 it's a it's a couple yeah. end of season two hopped, episodes. Yeah, and then, and then we, we hopped, hopped back. To the beginning of season two. And um, it's pretty decently uh, release order, kind of at this point. Yeah. yeah. For, this at is least for the rest of season is, two. This is the one where I, I don't know why they moved these, uh, like, Bounty Hunters and the Zillow Beast episodes. I don't know why they're back in the timeline. It doesn't really matter. Because yeah. uh, there's, there's no timeline markers for anything. Uh, I did see a post recently that theorized that the super tank armor from Weapons Factory was made from studying the Zillow Beast because Palpatine was giving secrets. Oh, wait. That's yeah, we talked I about thought. that last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked, yeah. It's okay. It was Palpatine all along. Um, no, I, I had, I literally had that exact thought when they were like, we can't penetrate their armor. And I was like, hold on. Didn't we just hear about the Zillow Beast and his Yeah, there's no, deal? nobody's ever said anything on it, but like, I accept it. I, I, I I'm, I'm, go- I'm cool with that as like, just sort of being a headcanon. You've heard it here, folks. Wyatt has decided. <laughs> Well, I I nicked it off a Tumblr post. I'm pretty sure. Star Wars law now. That's Star Wars law. <laughs> That's not the headcanon thing from Weapons Factory that I would have kept. Let's be honest. Okay, okay. So so let's we're getting ahead of ourselves. So yeah. bounty hunters, bounty hunters was so good. I was obsessed. They were like, I decided in this episode that if I were in the Star Wars universe, I would be a bounty hunter because they're so cool. Yeah, Sugi's so really fun. I really like I her. By their own words, I rules. I like the guy who has Captain America shield for the hat. Yeah. I just oh. I think the cool thing about this episode is that we often think like when we think of bounty hunters and so far in what we've seen, bounty hunters haven't been like the best of people. They've been maybe they're cool, but they're typically sort of villain aligned characters. Yeah, the only significant um, bounty hunters we've seen so far are Cad Bane and Jango Fett. Yes. Well, we've yeah, and seen that's a, and these guys, um, a couple of others like here and there, but no like major characters um yeah star wars has a sorry Star Wars has a long tradition of having bounty hunters, but they are often, like, to show that they aren't, like, they don't have the same moral code as our heroes. They often end up working for the bad guys, even though they're, like, explicitly, like, I work for the highest bidder, Um, which does imply that every good guy faction in Star Wars is obscenely cheap. 
or that just like they are supposed to be villains like we're supposed to read bounty hunter as villain but in like the westerns that george lucas was inspired by bounty hunters are as often sort of working for a town or somebody a homestead out in the desert as as they are the villain of the thing so i think that's a really fun aspect of this episode because they're hired for the by the farmers and and then the fact that they stuck with the farmers even when there was the offer to step aside i feel like that was just so cool to see it really helped fill out the world it helped explain sort of like the role of bounty hunters and also how not all bounty hunters are going to be the same you know they're not all money hungry people even if they care about money they can still have a moral code and i thought that was really cool and yeah it's exactly it's exactly like this is the western stuff that i wanted this is like this is the space western i was hoping for it's also explicitly and calvin could talk about this as well is it's just it's doing seven samurai this is the plot of the movie seven samurai which we haven't seen because it's from the 50s but is one of these star wars inspirations yep uh george lucas did take akira kurosawa as one of his filmmaking idols there are also a lot of seven samurai references in the original trilogy specifically in a new hope i love how george lucas basically just saw a bunch of movies he liked and decided he was just gonna put them all together yeah yeah well that was was, like actually it was explicitly what he was doing he was just (laughs) making a movie sort of based off stuff he liked and he accidentally made the most popular movie of all time like this honestly could have this sounds like a fan fiction like if i were to describe star wars like i would think it's a fan fiction but it's flash gordon fanfic literally literally but it no but like you you say literally but like literally 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 (laughs) like (laughs) the man himself is on the record as saying this and then like as we get into star wars as they start they kept making sequels and prequels and then the clone wars it develops its own thing it's a whole language of its own as star wars rather than just the inspirations but George Lucas still likes the same things and has always wanted to do this. So like, yeah, we get seven samurai with bounty hunters, pirates, Jedi. It's a, it is a really fun episode. The man can't screenwrite. Like he, shit, he can't, he can't write dialogue, but he no. crafts a good story. He knows what makes a good story. Editing instincts well, are on so point. Many. Yeah. 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 Um, we got the return of, uh, everybody's favorite drunk week way Han- Captain Hondo. Oh my gosh, Hondo is actually such a fun character. Like, I am genuinely... I know you're he's a bad guy, so you're not supposed yeah. to like him. But as far as bad guys go, I like him very much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he, he ends up sort of more in the, the sort of moral gray area that we've been talking about that these bounty hunters are establishing where they, have, they act by their own codes. But it's pretty funny that we've had two episodes where he's been the explicit villain. Like, you are rooting against him, the heroes are fighting him, and he's still just so fun. His exit in the this episode uh is one of my favorite moments of his. It was so Where he just dramatic. yells, it's no longer profitable. I am leaving. You did not beat me. I am deciding to leave. I just, oh, it was so good. Like, everything about this episode was just, this episode could have been a movie and I would have liked the movie, you know? That is a movie. <laughs> it's like, a movie. I guess, <laughs> right, 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 right. Maybe this is, maybe this is your signal, <laughs> Anna, to go watch Seven Samurai. <laughs> what a dumb bitch moment. <laughs> um, but it is all also, it's not just homaging a other movie. It's it's a great Jedi episode, though, because mm-hmm. we get to see them defending the little guy. 
literally. Yeah. That's what the Jedi it, were supposed to do. Oh, but yeah, it's, it, it makes it so fun when we do, especially in this era. I always relish this sort of what the Jedi should be, especially against the backdrop of the rest of the Clone Wars series, which is sort of deconstructing the role of the Jedi and whether or not they are their role in the war, whether that makes them complicit. We've, I mean, even in like, like in the Lemur episode. It, like in the lemur episode also right yeah because didn't obi-wan not want to help these people if i'm remembering correctly yeah he or is that a different episode no yeah he didn't want to because he was like no we've got things to do like we can't stick around here and i thought that that was really interesting that he wanted to move on and it was actually anakin who was like anakin and ahsoka who were like no we need to help these people because i think typically you view obi-wan as being the one who was like the most jedi like out of the three and yet here we are, and the one who I would argue is like arguing for the like Jedi way, or um, Anakin and Ahsoka. But also, it's like Obi-Wan, they have their own thing. But it's very Phantom Menace, honestly, yeah. where Qui Gon says, "I can't free slaves," and he has to do a bunch of trickery because I. And it's sort of implied that like he can't. The Jedi are limited by like Republic law in a way that is sort of interesting because they are. They are independent, but they act yeah. as they act as like law enforcers and peacekeepers of the Republic. So every time they're out of Republic jurisdiction, especially when they're not doing war stuff, they always end up having to do tricky. Uh, like they either are like, well, I can't do this, even though it's obviously the right thing. And or they have to be a little shifty. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I surprisingly enjoyed the Zillow Beast episodes. <laughs> they're as well. so fun. Um, I was like, okay, so is this just like, they, they were like, we're going to have a little Godzilla moment. Um, <laughs> we're just going to have, but I was really into it. I was really, really into it. I felt my heart breaking when the Zillow beast died. Yeah. I also like, cause it's a, it's a later in season two thing, but like with this group of episodes, we get to see like how much their animation power has jumped up. Like the sheer number of droids in the beginning of the first Zillow Beast episode that they dropped the bomb on, even though it's all just copy paste is a far cry from like ambush in season one where they're like, Oh, Yoda's going to fight an army. There are 15 droids. No, really. And, and, and I thought also just the animation for that bomb was so impressive. Like that was so cool to watch them drop that bomb. And, and I, I just felt... If there's really one cool. thing there's one thing the Clone Wars team is good at, it's explosions. And it was interesting because I remember at an, in an earlier episode we watched, there was a bomb that did the opposite thing where like it would hurt all organic matter but not hurt yeah. droids. So I thought it was really cool but also like sus that they now randomly just had this like opposite bomb that would kill droids but not organic matter. And I was like, yeah, Palpatine, you're a little sus there. Like that's, <laughs> that's kind of obvious. Well, and it is... But it is also just sort of indicative of that the Republican separatists are not as far off as we They're sort the of. Same. Yeah. yeah, and we are, because yeah. because we're sort of getting a like it's still early in this children's show. We have obvious heroes and obvious villains, but there is going to be some portraying, especially of the non-military aspects of the separatists, as like, oh no, these are just dudes. These are just people. Mm -hmm. And and if you look at their goals, they want to split off from the Republic because they are being treated bad, essentially, or neglected, and it's being co-opted by all these action evil people like the Sith and the uh, and a lot of the the business leaders who Clone Wars positions as explicitly neutral like with the Trade Federation still having Senate seats in the Republic so it's interesting that 
that Clone Wars makes a, a even harder push for like, yeah, it, it's corporate interests that are the bad guys here. I know. I think that's really that's something that makes it so good um, and complex. It's a really it's interesting too because it, it is all there. It's all in the text. You can get it from the episodes, but also it is still a fun action adventure Star Wars show. Like it's not it's not sacrificing the fun of Star Wars for the political message. Absolutely. Um, like uh, they they had freaking Godzilla. He had an he had a third arm on his back. Oh my! It was just so fun to watch. I thought I was gonna hate the Zillow Beast arc if I'm being honest. Um, and I also thought the Zillow Beast was gonna be cuter. I don't know. The word like <laughs> Zillow Beast sounds like it'd be like fluffy and cute, and it was not. But it was still cute in its own scaly way, and I was very sad with his. But I, I thought that it was really, it was a really good episode. It, I feel like I, it's one of the first episodes where I felt really mad at the Republic, where I was really like, the Republic are just straight up not good dudes. <laughs> Except for every time you think about clones for more than two seconds. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Except for the slavery. <laughs> well, that that's just it with the Republic, isn't it? That's been from Phantom Menace on. It's like, well, these are the good guys, except for all the slavery they're excusing. Except for all the slavery. But yeah, that was just, I don't have like so much to say about the Zillow Beast arc, except that it was really fun. It was also heartbreaking. And I don't know. I hope the yeah. Zillow Beast comes back. Like, I really hope we see more of, they, you know, they hinted at there being a clone of the Zillow Beast. So I hope that comes up later on. I uh, yeah. I had forgotten also how good of a Mace Windu episode the first one is. He gets some good uh, stuff early with the uh, Ryloth episode and then this. And then I really like just how fun the ensemble cast is in the second one. Because mm-hmm. um, we get we get Anakin, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan. We get Padme. Yoda's there for a bit. Palpatine gets yeah. that fun bit where the monster glares at him and it's like, just listen to the Zillow Beast. So he's clocked it and he's not even, he can't even speak. I mean, and honestly, the thing, though, is Palpatine being in this episode so much, in, in these episodes so much, he's so ugly in the Clone Wars. I just want to comment on his animation. <laughs> it is hideous. And it's not even that it's bad. I feel like it's probably on purpose. It's a very, like, harsh version of the it's, style of... It's, yeah. yeah. Palpatine and uh, Ramba's face Dooku are in the same category, um, where, like, their their stylization is taken to the extreme, whereas, like, Obi-Wan's got a pointy beard and Anakin's face yeah. has some hard lines, but you can see Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen in there, even though you're not, like, this is a perfect likeness of these actors. Yeah. I think Palpatine's that it's because they... Well, that's because we're sort of cats out of the bag. He, he's Palpatine is also a, he's a bad guy. We see him with a yes. hood on all the time. Phantom Menace makes it clear that you can see two things. You can see like his nose and his like mouth and chin area when he's got the hood on. So yeah. those had to be the strongest in the animation model because they were going to reuse it. They were just going to put the, the hood on the regular stock Palpatine model while, rather than giving him like an evil looking Sith model and a regular dude. So that's why I think like, but it does look weird then when you're like, oh, that's just his nose right out there in the in the open. Right he just there. looks like that. He just looks like that. Yeah. I think yeah. I think I think he looks. It's such a fun like cartoon moment whenever he gets to be evil. But when he's just sort of being like, I'm a kindly old politician. I'm Joe Biden. I like it's <laughs> it. It doesn't work. Yeah. He's just ugly. Yeah. Uh, and then after this, we get. The, so this, I the had sort of forgotten. The sexiest episode of The Clone Wars. <laughs> oh yeah, this is, oh my <laughs> the god. The most sexually charged episode of Clone Wars yet. Um, yeah. Oh exceeding, god. Exceeding all the Padme stuff with Adventurous. Like, Brief spoiler. This- Clovis does show up again, and that will exceed this one. <laughs> 
I am so looking forward to it. I was I was watching this with a friend, and we were both like, "Whoa!" We were both like, "I did not like this episode this. as a kid, but I think it's because I was ten and it was all going over my head." Yeah. yeah. Also, I knew what happened, like to Anakin and Padme. So I'm like, which you technically don't know explicitly what happens to Anakin and Padme, but I do and did at the time. So I'm like, I don't need relationship drama from early in their relationship. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Like, I don't really know what's coming up, so... Um. I did... I do love when Anakin fucks with the ship to, like, get him <laughs> yeah, to fall so that, over. Yeah. He's so petty. Really it's, it's... He's so <laughs> petty and so possessive. <laughs> but he's just still... Like, that's nine-year-old Anakin. Like, I, that... Exactly. I thought that that was just so fun. And their little, like, argument in the beginning, which, like, led to Padme taking on this mission. Like, it was just so cute and funny and like a bickering and yeah. I don't know I just no, they're, I they're super it. fun in this series uh, I really uh, we haven't even we haven't gotten to I think it's in the next uh, next episode for us where is it where did they stick are you thinking of where the did one? they stick where did they stick hostage crisis oh it's in uh, oh it's later 12. yeah it's in yeah okay there's yeah, a oh. there's this, an episode that originally was the uh, the season one finale, but got because of stories they made sort of pre and after it, it got shunted in the timeline to season three. That's a good Anakin and Padme episode on, along the similar lines of this, where they are just sort of being adorable. We're talking about good and evil and like wars across the galaxy, but they're just they're just a night uh, like a twenty year old and a twenty four year old dating basically. Like they're just they're just us. Well, they are married, but yeah. But they, they got married like it was 1950. Like, they got married. We're like, all right, I've met you. I've fallen in love. Let's get married. And then they're just like now going on dates, married. But they can't go on dates because they're secret. I, I really Except like that. they're going to stand on the balcony of Padme's Coruscant apartment. Well, they're both complete like, and total well, idiots. Yeah. They are they are the naked window neighbors. I My thing, I kept like thinking like <laughs> when they were telling Anakin... Um, oh, yeah, convince Padme to do this thing. I was like, yeah, they definitely know they're fucking, right? They were like, you're really close with Padme. You can convince her. And I was like, yeah, because we all know they're fucking. Well, so um, that's, thank you, Master Yoda. That's the interesting thing with, like, the whole no attachments rule. And they can't get into it too deeply because this is a children's franchise like this is an all ages mostly uh franchise but like they've people have said that like the no attachments rule really is just sort of about emotional like getting overly emotional and attached we'll call it doing an anakin but it like it does imply that the jedi can have sex they just have to be able to let go and anakin's whole thing is that he can't let go i think the jedi when they were like after attack of the clones like you gotta you gotta chill on this whole padme thing they still think they they are like if he's as long as he's just like <laughs> hook it up on he's the side hitting and not committing yeah and so like cuz there are moments throughout the series where it's like Yoda knows Obi-Wan is just being like I do not want to get involved I see nothing if i if if they can't if i <laughs> if i can't see them they can't see me and i don't have to talk about it Everybody um, knows. Yeah. Bail Organa definitely knows. <laughs> no, and, well, and, and Clo- Clovis is a fun... He's a he's an interesting dude because we've kind of only seen we've seen good politicians and evil politicians so far. And like he's he's almost more of the bounty hunter persuasion where he's kind of he's out for his own success, but he's not a terrible. He's not the worst dude ever. 
No, he genuinely cares about Padme, so much so that he, you know, went out on a limb to save her. So he can't be, like, this horrible, selfish guy. He definitely cares about others. But, like, I wouldn't say he's the best dude either. Yeah, and then, after this one, after sexual tension the episode, we're just, have some war. Oh, oh my god, I know, it was such a, it was such a the Geonosis arc was so, like, stressful for me, I feel like. There, yeah. yeah, I don't even know how else to describe it. It was just well, so incredibly stressful. It cracks me up that, so, Landing on Point Rain, while a nonsense title, is a fun episode, but I always forget how spectacularly the assault plan fails, and it's just them being like, alright, we're lost and we have no cell reception, and everyone's trying to kill us. How do we how do we fight a war? Right, and them all keeping score uh, with their kills and stuff, though. It was just so, very... I, I, I love it when good. characters have that. Like, I mean, like you'll give me an obvious example, but like, oh man, it's just friendly competition I love. Well, yeah. and I love seeing Ke- it. Keanu Mundy has a stick up his ass the whole episode, but then he like joins the game at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I love it because the Jedi are often like just sort of I I have I am calm, I have no emotions, I'm serene. When they get to let loose a little bit, especially for the characters that are also very like upholding some of those Jedi ideals, I like it. It's a fun it makes it makes the Jedi easier to root for. It takes them sort of a little bit off the pedestal for me. And it was just like, it was legitimately just really fun. I don't know. Like, obviously it's, it was stressful. This whole episode, all of, all of the Geonosis stuff was very stressful, but I feel like there's just so much like silly stuff or like just awesome stuff. Stuff yeah. that's just really there cool. There were iconic Clone Wars moments throughout this arc, including them yeeting Rex off the cliff. <gasps> that was, I was <laughs> dying. I was dying. And, and then he went, you can just, just tell me to jump next he time. He just gives him a look. <laughs> so Anakin funny. and Ahsoka just look at each other and then it's just like, yeah, it's it's tossing Rex a clock. Oh my gosh. Uh, this th- These episodes were really good with the clones too. Even though I don't think they really played like superstar roles, they were still very fun. Yeah. yeah like that moment between Cody and Obi-Wan at the beginning is fun when Obi-Wan just like is brushing past his first time on Geonosis. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh. that, that sounds entertaining, says shithead Commander Cody. <laughs> Yeah. Listening to his boss tell him about the time he almost got executed. I know it took um, me a minute to realize like what they were referring to, and then I was like, "Oh wait, I saw the the original attack on Geonosis, yeah. right?" I remember. It is this funny. First time. I love that they're just like, "Yeah, we're gonna go to Geonosis again," which like in universe does make sense because it is in in the old stories and legends, the Republic conquered and occupied the planet for the duration of the war. But there's nothing in the movie that suggests that that it wasn't just an attack, retrieve the Jedi. They had a fight, and then the Republic would retreat because it's the separatist home base like they 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 like sort of both left and the leadership of the separatists fled and then the republic presumably retreated so of course you got to have another fight there because the 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 factory infrastructure is still there. I remember, like, when I was young, I was like, this is weird. Why are they doing it again? I love that they are like, I can't believe we're doing it again. The, they have the characters say that in, like, the yeah. beginning of the first episode. <laughs> Calvin, that... is your cat torturing you? No, she left, yeah. Okay. But but that made it more fun for me. Like, that made yeah. it so much more fun. Because also it's, like, this thing of seeing how where the characters, how the characters have changed since that first battle. Or since that first, I, yeah, I guess it was battle. Obi-Wan got a haircut. Yeah, Anakin, in fact, 
dramatically did not get a haircut. Mm-hmm. Well, he got a, they adopted. He, he, he they, got a few haircuts. He got a you know a couple of hairs were cut from his yeah, little, that's, his little that's true. That oh, Anakin and Obi Wan are now co-parenting a small alien child. A lot can change. Um, speaking of speaking of Ahsoka, oh, the weapons, weapons factory. factory is a so great episode. So, okay, so these episodes were killing me for so many reasons, but this thing with Ahsoka and Barris was so freaking dope. They were killing it. It was so cool to see them working together. I really loved seeing Ahsoka, like, kind of have, like, a little girlfriend moment. Like, kind of like girl boss. I don't know. (laughs) Her little girl boss moment. Well, and I like that sort of... I like that they kind of both annoy each other at first. Like, I I am a sucker Mm -hmm. for those types of friendships. And Ahsoka's like, you are such a square. And Barris is like, you have never followed a rule in your life. And then they learn to work together. I also love... Speaking of squares, Barris is the only one ever who cuts a square out of the wall with her lightsaber instead of a circle and she does it perfectly i love when she like moved it with the force i don't know i don't know if i've ever seen anybody cut anything well no i feel like i've seen anakin do this they do they do a classic sort of yeah circle phantom menace they do it at the very beginning and then Mm -hmm. qui-gon just melts the door right i remember that dang r.i.p <laughs> Lightsabers are a powerful thing. Shout out yeah. to Qui Gon. <laughs> Shout out uh, to my boy. Um, oh, also, yeah. You are a I real one. Um, <laughs> but he's yeah. such an influential character, despite being in one whole movie. One, yeah. But Barris was great. I really like her. I thought she was. I really like her character design. I thought that that was a really cool choice. Yeah, she's briefly in Phantom Menace. Uh, not Phantom Menace. Attack of the Clones. Her and Luminara get a an arena shot. So her design originates from there. But Clone Wars is the first time we've ever actually like seen her in action. No, there's uh, a little bit in the micro series, but also that's like very that's much true. canon. But it's also easier than to like animate. 2D. Yeah. So, because Barris and Luminara, the whole thing is that they're they're wearing significant robes, even mm-hmm. more than the normal Jedi. Uh-huh. So, Clone Wars does a good thing about keeping the essence of their designs while also sort of like stripping down the layers so that they can move easier, which makes sense for the war times and also saves them a whole shit ton of money. Yeah, I thought it, I thought that that was very cool that they had these characters who are more like modestly dressed, just because I feel like obviously they're aliens and there's like alien culture. But just like as a reflection on real life, I thought it was like an an interesting yeah. idea well, to show like that we have different people dress in different like d- dress differently in different cultures. And it was at cool the very least, Barris definitely designed after Middle Eastern yeah. styles. Like she's wearing a hijab, basically. Yeah. It's not. There's no. The religious significance is is removed because it's a fantasy world and it's not a thing. The Jedi are not particularly Muslim inspired, but uh, it's it's really cool. I remember as a kid, I didn't know if Barris had hair. Um, oh. She does. We eventually will see her with her with her hood off because Luminara looks like she doesn't. Just her Clone Wars model looks very much like she doesn't have hair. So I was like, are they just bald? Are they all like Ventress? <laughs> are they all like Ventress? No. But it was really, I really liked that. I really appreciated that from this character. I feel like it, I don't know, it was just like good. It was made, it, it again, it like filled out the world a little bit more. Yeah. I really no, liked it. No, Ahsoka, Paris. they should have, I honestly think they should have spent more time on giving Ahsoka friends 
who are not 35 right. or clones. Yeah. But this, there was two Barris and Ahsoka episodes. They were both, uh, well, uh, I always am a little eh about the brain worms. They freak me out. But it is a good, it's also a good episode for them. And actually, honestly, Ahsoka's friendship with the clones, because we see, we're, we're, I'm jumping a little ahead, but the clones that get infected are way more of like a regular squad than the guys we usually hang out with, because Anakin and Obi-Wan are like the highlights of the army, so they've got all yeah. the elite clones. Actually, speaking of clones, did you clock that uh, Waxer and Boyle rescued Obi-Wan yeah, in, uh, I saw that. Yeah, in so Point Rain? Yeah, I I forgot, like, because they show up a couple times throughout the series, but they don't. They never get a great sort of episode again after the uh, Ryloth one with the little girl. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you clocked it, but Boyle, I think it is, painted her on his helmet. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'll have to go back and watch that. That's yeah, so Yeah, just cute. if you if you watch the scene where they rescue Obi-Wan, it's, it's tough because everything's blowing up, but and they've got the camo armor on, but one of them has t- a tiny little cartoon Numa on his helmet. That is the sweetest thing I have ever heard, actually. But yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I mentioned the clones earlier, is like their, their little cameo, I guess. Well, and they're finally painting their armor, which is one of yeah. my favorite Clone War stuff. It, it it bugs me so much in season one. I'm like, why are they all still in the... We, we're getting like individualistic, and I know later in the series they all do it. So I'm like, paint your armor already! Paint your armor! Express yourself! <laughs> the other thing that really stressed me out about this arc was when... Um, and, and this episode specifically, Weapons Factory, is when Barris and Ahsoka got buried, and um, how Luminara and Anakin um, responded to that. So my thing was, and I, I, I like messaged Calvin in, in like a rage. I was so mad about this because. Uh, sorry, Calvin said something dumb. <laughs> L- uh, yeah, go, go, Should Anna. I ask? Should I ask what he said? Oh uh, no, he just said he just said Barris got buried, and then he made a face and we oh. started giggling. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Um, okay. Audio medium. Yeah. Luminara and Anakin's reaction. Right. Yes. So Luminara was li- like, like I feel them fading, which was like, no, you literally don't because they were fine. Like she was like, we can't get to them. I'll feel them fading. And it's like Luminara, they're fine. Like they just need some help. And she was just, but she was so ready to just accept like Barris is dead. Bye. Peace out. Let's move on. And Anakin was like, um, I'm so sorry. I'm actually going to go rescue my Padawan if you want to join. Yeah. And that was just... I think that- there's an... It- sorry, you finished in your... Oh, I I was just, I found it really interesting, but also stressful because it was like this moment of Luminara is being a Jedi, right? Like Luminara is being like what the Jedi are supposed to be. And even though she was like, I'll mourn Barriss, you know, I need to learn to let go. Like I not learned. She's like, I know that I'll need to let her go when the time comes. And Anakin was just like, shut up, Luminara. And honestly, that is, this is the moment that made me an Anakin stand because I was like, I just can't. I'm so sick of this. What is the point? What is the point of like all this training and all this stuff to protect people if you're just gonna let them die? Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think so. I think Luminara gets a little bit shafted here by the subtlety hammer because we had to hammer home like Anakin can't let go of his student. He is being a bad Jedi, um, which I think is more about just sort of overall stuff with him and Ahsoka's journey. Also, I think the moment like is undercut by us knowing they're fine. Yeah, like yeah. we have already found out that they're fine if they switch the order of the scenes uh where like we see anakin this the the i'm ready to let my student go i will mourn her i think it's 
before we see... I think it's after we see them light their sabers in the tank, but I'm not sure. I don't think so. Is it not? Okay. I don't... I think it... I, I think it still is, but that's the thing. Is she... I Because if I'm remembering correctly, I might be wrong, but I think she says, like, I feel their light, or, like, they're fading, and then we straight up see them just, like, chilling. That's, yeah, that makes... Yeah. That, that makes dramatic sense, so that's... Yeah, but it was also, like, annoying, because I was like, Luminara, you're so full of shit. You don't feel them doing anything. They're not draining. They're fine. And then now I'm just like, the Force is fake. <laughs> Everything is fake. Um, well, so... The Jedi suck, and I'm mad. The the, the Dave Filoni, the uh, director of the series, has described like this specific force power as like the force is not a GPS. The the accuracy of this sort of I, I reaching out to feel where people are and how they're doing doesn't really work that well. It's sort of the connection. It's about the connection between people. So Anakin can feel Ahsoka because his their connection is stronger than Luminar yeah. and Barris's. I don't I'm not, I don't even feel bad saying that. Yeah. Um, it's very uh, clearly true. Uh, it is yeah. Like Luminara is Luminara is teaching her student. Anakin is basically raising his daughter slash younger sister. Like it's much more of a familial relationship that they have than, and that's sort of what we get to see it when, especially when Ahsoka and Barris meet. We get to see like how respectfully Barris is with with Luminara before getting to let loose a little bit with Ahsoka. But like it's it's a very different thing, and it ends up like you need Anakin, you need Ahsoka to get them both out of there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, I will I want to say one thing about this episode in particular even among the others the music is off the walls it's so good absolutely no i as a kid i understood how tv shows worked i knew we were in the middle of a season of a show that was not planning to end with season two so i knew ahsoka was going to be fine and when that they play the music and the factory comes down i'm like oh my god she's dead they actually i I, like i had it for a moment i was like oh my god what i also thought that ahsoka was dead i was like um i thought she grew up i was like didn't somebody say she grows up did she just die but she didn't. She didn't die, and that's good. Um, but yeah, I, I too, <laughs> the music got to me. I was fully convinced she perished. Well, and I do Which love that they went for the heroic sacrifice. They're like, we're going to die as true Jedi, and then they forgot they were in the indestructible tank. And I think they're genuinely shocked when they wake up. Like, oh, sh- right. <laughs> like, we made it. Ew. We get to have our cake and eat it, too, if they can get us out of here. Also a really nice moment about, uh, just because you see there, Anakin and Ahsoka's connection, but, you know, he teaches her to do the thing, and then with the communicator, and that's her his yeah. skill going on. Yeah, I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. I, I loved that line. <laughs> More like Mechanican. Stop. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> this is so corny. Um, uh, I, I got to watch that. the beat at which you guys understood that, and then watch the light fade from both your eyes. I feel like Calvin and I slowly turned towards the Zoom, and we're like... Yeah. Yeah. Soaker the cat made uh, very clear her feelings about that joke. Excellent. But yeah, I, I love this line Ahsoka had where um, Barris said something like, you know, well, at least we saved, like, our actions today saved, like, a bunch of people, something like thousands of people or something. And then Ahsoka was like, well, I'm about to save two more. And I was like, period. I was like, that is my girl. Yeah, yeah. I know that we, like, shit on Anakin and I guess kind of Ahsoka for being, like, bad Jedi, but I would prefer them be good people and be bad Jedi, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. No, we, it's more apparent with, I think with Anakin, just because of, we're explicitly told how much like his upbringing differ, makes him differ from the yeah. Jedi. And so I, I 
like, and we're sort of, I like to sort of say, like, yeah, he's a bad Jedi, but w- we watch what the Jedi's ideals are stated to be and how their actions reflect that. So we can, we can like, throughout the, the series be like, are they living up to their own ideals? Are their ideals flawed? Are they, are they like, are they helping people? Or are they just generals? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if we're going to, like, really get into it, I think that on one hand, it's like, because Anakin kind of does his own thing, he's a bad Jedi, but I think he is better at upholding the Jedi's, like, ideals better than the Jedi do, you know? Uh, It... it seems to me that like Obi-Wan and Anakin are like split off like sort of pieces of Qui-Gon and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan got sort of the because Qui-Gon is a very good Jedi and Obi-Wan learned how to be a very good Jedi from Qui-Gon but Anakin learned from Qui-Gon then sort of from Obi-Wan like uh, uh, the recklessness because he knows yeah. that he knows that he broke the rules to get him to be a Jedi he knows that he like that when in the time he saw Qui-Gon all he did was break rules because of what he thought was right and that's the thing right it's not just he's reckless he's he recklessly loves people People. He recklessly helps yes. people. And that is why Anakin, despite me hating him in the first two movies, is is such an amazing character. He is genuinely just such like a fun yeah. person to watch. Well, and especially in these episodes. Where, where it comes from. I really want to give a shout out to the voice actors as we've gotten into season two, like Matt Lanter for Anakin, Ashley Eckstein for Ahsoka, and uh, James Arnold Taylor for Obi-Wan for our main main three. I will shout out Dee Baker for the clones, many other episodes, but I want to talk about the three main Jedi because they like they really breathe life into the characters. Matt Lanter, especially for Anakin, I think is, is the key to making him a likable character. He doesn't sound all that much like Hayden Christensen, but he brings the Anakin energy in the, in the key ways, both to make him like sort of both insufferable whiny Anakin and heroic heroic leader and and good guy Anakin yeah yeah and, and honestly it's like I see why Padme fell in love with him you know like I, I could not understand why she would like him in Attack the Clones, but now I'm like, I get it. Like, he is yeah. he is a good guy, you know? Um, yeah. Well, in Attack of the Clones, he was he was the dashing protector, and he was annoying, but it was like, and it was, it's it's so throwing back to, like, old romance tropes that we yeah. we can't really, they're not done anymore for a lot of very good reasons, and Attack of the Clones mostly ditches the, like, problematic stuff around those tropes and replaces it with Anakin being a fascist, which is also bad but uh but (laughs) but it's still like their romance in attack of the clones is always going to read as weird which is then funny when we see sort of a way more modern take on it in clone wars which is just this is a couple even that really nice moment at the beginning of senate spy yeah um, and I'm thinking back to that, you know, little moment where yeah. and um and um malevolence when they snuck a kiss after. Yeah, that's so fun. They go into the tunnel, yeah. kiss, go back out of the tunnel. Hi, Obi Wan. Obi Wan's like, I know about you guys. Stop doing this. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> I could sense Poor it in Obi-Wan. the Force, Anakin. Okay. But- okay. What do we think of brain brain zombies? Yeah, brain zombies. Ooh. Okay, so this I gotta say is probably like the weakest plot uh, of the bunch yeah. that we watched. Legacy of Terror, which is the initial Brainworms episode with the Queen, is I think definitely the weakest. It's the slowest. Yeah. It's it doesn't. Yeah. I can't even tell you what. Because they're just they're just on the parked ship for most of the time. I like the sandstorm. I, I love when they do sort of like normal weather stuff in Star Wars. It's like oh yeah, the phones are out because the sandstorm. My the only thing I really like sticks with me for this episode 
is when they're they're sort of ga- Obi Wan's like I'm gonna gather data and Luminar is like I am going to die. Please yeah. save me. Oh, that was so funny. And then <laughs> when he was like, okay, t- but do you think it will enter the brain the or, the, or nose? the nose? Oh, the 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 ear or the nose? And then um, <laughs> Anakin was like, what? And then Anakin was like, uh, I think it might be the nose. Like, <laughs> that's funny. I don't know actually. Yeah. I don't know if he's, he might Iconic Clone Wars moment uh, again is uh, study the bottom of my boot. <laughs> oh yeah. When he steps that was on really it. Funny. Um, yeah. No, they've they've figured out. I think Clone Wars is not the funniest show ever. It's not a sitcom, and it doesn't even do comedy all that well. But the comic relief in non-comedy episodes yeah. has definitely improved. Uh, this whole arc, the the, the counting, Barriss and Ahsoka sniping at each other, stuff in this episode. Yeah. Um, but overall, yeah, I thought that these, ep- these episodes, they were fine. Um, I Brain Invaders was kind of heartbreaking in that when Ahsoka was like, these clones are my friends, and then she had to kill them. That kind of sucks. Yeah. She had to kill at least one. I remember she killed one. And she she like, stabbed one, right? Yeah. yeah. I thought but- this was another fake out that got 10-year-old me. I might have just been very gullible. I thought she cut Barris's head off when oh. she cuts it out of her mouth, or like yeah. at the very end in the when they're freezing the cockpit. I was like, "Oh no, she's now killed her friend." This is going to be a very bad day for Ahsoka, just with the way they edited it. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, her and Barris are really interesting in this episode. That whole conversation that they have about like what will happen in peacetime was really interesting. I was like, yeah. "This is such a weird episode to put this like deep conversation into." Well, that is Clone Wars for you, doing absolute. Batshit balls to the wall sci-fi mixed with thoughtful conversations on the nature of war. And well, because because I remember what is the role of the Jedi in peace? Now yeah. uh, let's go fight the brain zombies from the bug planet. <laughs> I, it was so that is what made this episode good for me was um, just that conversation, and then also. At the end, when Ahsoka didn't know if she had done the right thing, she was like, should I have just killed Barriss? Or, like, did I... Because she did put people at risk by, you know, it worked choosing out. Choosing to save people, yeah. Because, I mean, like, choosing- Luminara would have killed Barriss. Yeah, Luminar. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, Luminar would have killed Barris and would have had to like work through it, but like would have eventually come. She she would have gone full Spock. The the needs of the many. Like, and that's sort of the Jedi often say similar things. It's sort of the basis of the uh, the no attachments rule. But that was really beautiful. That was the really beautiful part of this episode, and that was a really nice way to like end this little group of episodes. I thought. Um, yeah, it, it was a rough. I don't know. Weak for Ahsoka. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I was like, this girl's been through it <laughs> so much. I I like Brain Invaders a lot because often Clone Wars drops a really interesting story thread or group of characters and then just zigzags off into doing something else. And so I'm glad that Weapons Factory gets followed up so quickly with another Ahsoka Barris episode. Yeah. Because they're like establishing their friendship and then never touching it again or waiting a whole season, even though it fits the episodic nature of the show, just leaves too much off screen, and I think they yeah. needed that to sort of solidify their connection. Also, speaking of their connection, I found this out recently, but the the director of Weapons Factory, the episodic director, is uh, Giancarlo Vol- Volpe, I don't know. He's, he, he, was a, he was on Avatar. He directed like a, mm-hmm. a third of Avatar's episodes. Um, oh, and Dave Filoni... Awesome. Br- a lot of Clone Wars crew was brought off Avatar because Dave Filoni was a director on Avatar. That's how he got his break in animation. George Lucas saw his stuff and was like, I want you to run Clone Wars. And the rest is history. But after Avatar ended, he brought a lot of the crew over, including this guy. And in Weapons Factory, apparently, 
Giancarlo Volpe was pushing heavily for there to be like a gay subtext for Ahsoka and Barriss. Mm-hmm. Like oh a little. Oh my god, I wish. And it is I it wish. is one of the most popular like Clone Wars era ships. But I yeah, I saw this on because uh, I independently followed an artist who writes a webcomic I like, uh, who did a lot of Barris and Ahsoka fan art back in the day, and the director was like, oh my god, somebody else ships them? I spent weeks trying to talk the crew into this. <laughs> they, they honestly just would have been so cute, I think, because they have such, like we were talking about earlier, they have such, like, sort of opposite personalities and sort of ways, way of, like, tackling being a Jedi. And I, I'd have to, I write, that- have to write this down, sorry. I just <laughs> thought of something that I, I need to remember, but I I, I sh- will be better put in the next episode. Okay. Sorry, Anna. You're fine. You're good. So yeah, I just think that they would have a really cute, like I definitely ship it because they have that sort of like, one of them has a good head on their shoulders. One of them is crazy, but sometimes they can flip flop. I don't know. Kind of, it's a similar, like, it's a similar thing that like Padme and Anakin kind of have going on. I think, but like, whatever, you know, Barris and Ahsoka for life, space girlfriends. That is all. <laughs> Unfortunately, aside from established, unless they're forced to with like the Anakin and Padme stuff, Clone Wars is basically allergic to romance. Yep. Yeehaw. It's true. That's fine. It's okay. Yeah, yeah it's just funny because love. in the sequel series in Star Wars Rebels, there's more like sort of connections between the characters that can be read as romantic, where it's as opposed to Clone Wars, where it's like, all right, these dads are raising their child. Also, Rex is there. Also, Rex is there. Oh my god, see, the, okay, I don't want to talk about like how romance would work amongst the clones, but this is something that comes up in my mind quite often. Um, yeah, no, so whether <laughs> clones like get crushes on each other or well, because oh, so <laughs> this actually sort of ties into what I want to bring up next week, but, like, there's nobody else. There's nobody else. Even in the controlled environments of the Jedi Temple and the clones, like, and and the Kaminoans would try really hard not to let them have any feelings, but, like, the stories of the Jedi and the clones are more interesting when they have feelings. Yes. Um, all of the good clone stories are emotional. The clones are expressing emotions. It's not just sir, yes, sir, I follow orders, pew pew. They're all they're all character <laughs> they're all character studies of characters who who look the same or with the Jedi who are conditioned to sort of act the same. There's nobody else. Yes, Ahsoka should have a crush on Barris. This director was right. Like it 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 makes like, sense. Even if you never feelings. bring even if you never bring it up again, like it just I I love Clone Wars and I think they were just one step off. So so many cool things. Yeah, but also I think that it's it's kind of a flaw in just like children's oh, well. in general. Oh well, back to fanfic. <laughs> yeah, back to fanfiction. Yeah, they're so yeah. afraid to get into stuff, you know. Well, and, and Clone Wars is, I think Clone Wars, the episodic nature of the show allows them to tell a, a the amount of stories that it was able to cover and still be cohesive is an impressive achievement in television. Um, it, it's a it's an it's a landmark achievement as a series for as long as it ran and the way it does all come together in the end. But the jumping around doesn't let you sit with our main characters, especially in the quiet moments, that often. There's barely any episodes that aren't big action stuff going on. I really appreciated when Ahsoka was on library detention, just because like it seemed like something that was closer to normal. Nobody goes to the bathroom in this show nobody sleeps like we don't see any of the human stuff even though there are some aliens uh, but like it just I want to see those things I want to see the quiet moments between Ahsoka and Anakin that aren't always about trauma no. uh, yes yes a thousand percent um, running drills 
spending days in hyperspace, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, where is the beach episode? I want the beach episode. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean. Fuck you and your anime no, tropes. But no, but that, but that, so Avatar understood that. There's some, yes. there's a lot of stuff that Dave Filoni and the, and the sort of the ex-Avatar crew brought to Clone Wars that is very reminiscent of the successes on Avatar. But I don't think they learned all the correct lessons. And, and one of those is that Avatar needs the beach. Avatar needs Ember Island players. Um, what they what they did really well on Clone Wars and all of the Lucasfilm animated shows is really sort of letting the show grow with the characters in the same way. Because if you look at like season one, Aang and Katara and Sokka, like at the beginning, it's like, who are these people? By the end of the series, you're like, ah, these are the characters I know and love. And so watching the characters grow is really cool. But in Avatar, they let them breathe. Yeah, yes. Except that one time in Legend of Korra where that lady notably did not breathe. Uh, this was a this is such a fun like this this it isn't what I would pick to show anyone the series, but this shows pretty much everything that the Clone Wars is bringing to the table. This group of episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Godzilla. Yeah. But like a fun a fun standalone doing a genre film, political thriller and then crazy epic sci-fi action with good character moments the whole way through. I mean, they were doing the MCU before the MCU. Yeah. Um, All right. So next week we've got a few little one-off episodes: Grievous Intrigue, The Deserter, and Lightsaber Lost. And then we get into the first Mandalore arc. Woo. Oh, it's gonna be fun. Oh yeah, this will be a this will be this is I will say this. As soon as you started talking about clones, Anna, there have been several episodes I've been waiting for us to get to. One of them is in the next batch. Yeehaw! Can't wait. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thanks, yeah. See y'all. Bye. Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can stream us on any of the major podcast handles, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks a lot.